a mysterious woman in black roams the streets of Guatemala, asking strangers for help. And in the jungles of Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula, some not always merry pranksters run wild and are blessings or curses depending on your behavior. But these aren't just stories from centuries gone by. These are tales told by people who swear they've seen them today. I'm Andrew Colon, and these are just two of the many myths, legends, and mysteries of Latin America. Friends, welcome to another episode of the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. My name is Andrew Colon, and this time we have two stories for you from the rich collection of legends and folklore of Latin America. We'll tell you the intriguing story of a mysterious woman dressed in black who roams the streets of Guatemala, and then we'll bring it here to the Yucatan Peninsula to the story of legendary beings that might be more than just legends. I thank you for listening, sharing, and following the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and all the other platforms we inhabit. I really do appreciate your support. And now, to the stories. The time was the late 1890s, and the place was Guatemala City, Guatemala. Francisco Velázquez was a shy law student who had lost his parents. Francisco lived with his maternal grandmother, Señora Ana, who sold chuchitos, tamales, popular in Guatemala, and other food to support the household. Young Francisco also helped by making candles he would sell in front of local churches. One February morning, Francisco was walking to his law school, but first he stopped to visit the Church of San Sebastián on the way. While walking along the city's main boulevard and plaza, he saw a mysterious young woman, dressed in black, who hurriedly walked from the opposite direction and also headed into the church. As they approached each other, their eyes locked, and he instantly felt her penetrating but anguished gaze as she walked in. He kept looking at her as she continued into the church, and he wanted to follow her, but the clanging of the church bells calling everyone to mass reminded him he was going to be late for class at law school. But in class, all he could think about was the striking woman in black and her hypnotic eyes. From that day forward, Francisco always stood at the main doorway of the Church of San Sebastián, where the woman in black would arrive without fail to the 8 a.m. Mass. He grew obsessed with the woman and asked everyone he knew about her, but no one knew anything about this mysterious woman in black. No one knew who she was, where she lived, nothing. And then one day she stopped coming altogether, and Francisco thought he'd never see her again. Easter week was coming soon, which meant that Francisco had to put thoughts of the girl in black aside and work to make as many candles as he could for the festivities. Francisco did well that week, and he'd made enough money to treat himself to a night at the opera. Dressed to the nines in a borrowed suit, Francisco walked the streets at night on the way to the Teatro Colón in the old main plaza, entered the theater, and took his seat. The performance was inspired that night, and out of the corner of his eye, Francisco looked up at one of the balcony seats. And there, he was surprised to see the girl in black of Sebastián once again. 
He couldn't take his eyes off her and the grief-stricken expression in her eyes. When the show was over, everyone else got up to leave, and so did the girl in black. And Francisco took this as his chance to go to her and meet her. But the crowd between them was too large, and when he got to the lobby of the theater, he was only able to see her as she stepped into a carriage where the driver rallied his horses and she was off into the night. The festivities of the Day of the Dead were approaching, and so Francisco got busy making wreaths and tissue paper crosses for the celebration. Francisco set up his wares very early in the morning at the main entrance of the Church of San Sebastián with his grandmother to start selling his crafts and candles. And then he saw her. The woman in black came in through a side door, but then changed course and headed straight through the main entrance and straight toward Francisco's table. She went right up to Francisco and asked him for the last cypress wreath he had and held out money to pay him. Francisco rejected her money, saying her money was no good there, and that he would be happy to give her the wreath. With that still striking expression of sadness, she managed to smile and said this, Thank you. Listen, I would still like to talk to you. Meet me at my house on the day of St. Albert the Great, November 15th. And here, take this gold chain so you remember to meet me. The chain had a little note folded up with her address on it. And with that, she turned around and disappeared into the crowds. On November 15th, Francisco headed out to the address on the little folded up paper attached to the gold chain. The paper read, Mercedes Aragón, Callejón de la Cruz, Alleyway of the Cross, number six. He arrived to the address and knocked on the door. An old woman answered the door. Buenas tardes, he said. May I speak with Mercedes Aragón, please? My name is Francisco Velázquez. She's waiting for me. The woman's face lost all expression, and she went pale. Speechless, she motioned to him to come in. As he walked in, he noticed a painting on the wall, a painting of a woman dressed in black with a gold chain around her neck. Yes, she's waiting for me. And he proceeded to tell the old woman how they'd spoken in the churchyard, and then he showed her the gold chain. The old woman gasped in shock, and tears welled up in her eyes. Tell me, senor, what did she look like? Without thinking, Francisco motioned to the painting and said, well, that's her in the painting. The old woman couldn't hold it in anymore and sobbed. And pointing to the painting, she said, she was my daughter. She died a year ago today. Francisco felt his knees buckle, and he struggled to stay standing as he felt his whole world shake. And the old woman continued, A year ago, at exactly this time, my daughter Mercedes surrendered her soul to God. Malaria took her from us. Her funeral was in the church of San Sebastián, in the chapel of the Virgin del Manchen, and she was buried with that very gold chain in your hand. We buried her in her favorite color, black, and when you knocked, I was finishing up praying up a novena for her eternal rest and the rest of all the other souls in purgatory. I was about to go to the cemetery to visit her grave. If you like, you can come with me. 
Francisco managed to nod a shocked C, and they walked to the graveyard. The cemetery was totally silent at night, and the scent of cypress wreaths filled the air. They walked a ways and got to the foot of a willow tree and found the marble-covered tomb. The name on the tomb was Mercedes Aragon, and right above it was a small sculpture of an angel holding a cross. Both began to pray, and Francisco placed the flowers he had brought for Mercedes on her grave, his mind a whirlwind of thoughts and emotions. After a moment of silence, they left for the old woman's home. You can keep the chain, the old woman said as they approached the door. I beg you in the name of the Virgin of Del Manchen, don't forget my daughter. Remember, she came down from heaven to find you. Shaken and moved, Francisco found himself walking toward the Church of San Sebastián and entered the chapel of the Virgin del Manchen. He knelt and prayed for the soul of the woman he met for only an instant, but who he loved with all his heart. With tears falling from his eyes, he finished his prayer, took the gold chain out of his pocket, and placed it in the folds of the fabric of the Virgin's cloak and walked home feeling lighter and blessed by a sense of peace that he felt was sent by the Virgin herself. Even today there are reports of people who have seen the figure of a delicate woman in black at night on the streets of Guatemala City. She comes up to people asking them for a favor. If the favor is granted, she hands the person a small gold chain with a folded up piece of paper containing an address. Those who have gone to the address finds it takes them to the main cemetery of Guatemala to the tomb of Mercedes Aragón. And from the streets of Guatemala, we take you to the cornfields and jungles of my neck of the woods, the Yucatan Peninsula, where we'll tell you a story about elves, but not just any elves. These elves are called Aluches, and they are an important part of the folklore of the Maya people and their ancient influence even extends to modern Cancun. Now, there will always be variations on the origin stories of these legendary creatures, depending on where in the Yucatan Peninsula you go. But the story goes something like this. When the gods created the human race, they left a group of creatures not quite finished. These were elf-like beings, called Alushes. The gods warned these elves not to leave the safety of the heavens, because if they did, the sun would bake them as hard as rock. Of course, as soon as night fell, these little pranksters escaped from heaven. They were so excited about being on Earth that they didn't notice the approaching sunrise. They were able to hide in the jungles from the sun's rays, but it was too late to get back to the safety of heaven. And so, night after night, they built pyramids to get closer to heaven. But one day they got caught in the sunrise and were turned to stone. The gods took pity on the Alushes and allowed them to come to life at night. Since then, the nights in the jungles and cornfields of the Yucatan Peninsula are alive with the laughter and the singing of the Alushes. So you get an idea of what these elves look like. They're human-like in appearance, but are only about knee-high to an average person, so no more than 50 centimeters or 20 inches tall. These elves are usually dressed as ancient Mayan figures. They wear sandals and sometimes hats and play pranks on those who don't leave them offerings. 
Also, they scare away or protect travelers and people who visit their sacred places. I should mention that corn is also sacred to the Mayan people. And even today, people who live in rural areas on the Yucatan Peninsula have small cornfields on their land, as it's an important part of their diet, lifestyle, and culture. It's still part of a local Mayan custom that when you build a home or plant a cornfield, that you should leave offerings and make a small altar to the Alushes, as they help the corn grow. They help make it rain and protect your cornfields at night by making a high-pitched whistling sound to scare away thieves. If you go into one of their sacred places, it could be the forest or a sanctuary, you must ask permission from the Alushes. This way you'll keep them from causing accidents, illnesses, or natural disasters. And what does the legend of these feisty little creatures have to do with Cancun? Well, for the members of the Mayan community, especially many of the thousands of people from the peninsula who came to build Cancun, the Alushas aren't legends. They are ancient beings that can be very real. Too real. And there was a time when a building construction in Cancun ran into serious trouble. It was a bridge on parts of Federal Highway 307 that heads south down the coast of the state of Quintana Roo from Cancun. The year was 1990, early in Cancun's history, and this bridge connected the airport highway to the main boulevard in Cancun's hotel zone, Boulevard Cuculcan. During the bridge's construction, there came a moment where everyday workers would show up to work early in the morning, only to find that the bridge had fallen down overnight. This bridge fell down a total of three times, and we're talking about a huge concrete overpass of a structure. Not knowing what else they could do, the bridge's engineers grudgingly accepted the suggestion from workers to resort to finding a Mayan shaman priest to negotiate with the Alushas who lived in the area so they could finish the job. Desperate to find a solution, the construction company found a shaman, and he said that the legendary elves were upset that the project had encroached on their sacred lands. The building of the Federal Highway had disrupted the rest of the dead in ancient Mayan cemeteries located there. It had hurt the mangroves, it had hurt sacred sources of water, and it had destroyed an ancient archeological site. To bring this area back into harmony, the Alushas needed the builders to ask for their permission to continue with construction and leave an offering for them. The shaman then held a small ceremony, asking permission to build from these legendary creatures, and the engineers constructed a tiny temple under the bridge as an offering to the tiny Alushas so that the Alushas could live there in peace. There were no further incidents with the bridge. In the last 30 years that I've lived here in Cancun, I've seen that tiny temple there a million times driving to and from the airport, and I can remember seeing offerings of corn, honey, fruits, and pozol, a corn-based drink, left for the Yalushes. And all was good until this year. The roads leading from the city of Cancun and the hotel zone have been under construction, and the bridge leading to the airport was demolished to make way for a new structure. The small pyramid-shaped temple built in the 90s for the Alushas was also taken down. But this time the project's engineers, just to be on the safe side, got a Mayan shaman to ask permission to remove their temple home, and they built another structure close by for them, out of harm's way from the construction. And so far, so good. 
Latin America's a mysterious universe. While on the surface, the Spanish, Portuguese, English, and indigenous language-speaking parts of North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean might be wonderful places to soak up the sun and enjoy yourselves on vacation, but when you dig below the surface, you'll find a surreal world full of mysteries, myths, legends, and even magic. And we'll chase a taste of all of these here on the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. I'd like to thank you for spending a little time with me. And I'd also like to thank you for sharing, following, and supporting the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and now YouTube, and everywhere else you can find us. I'll have more stories for you on the next episode of the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. I'm Andrew Colon. Adios. Thank you.